Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. I am your host, Chuck Peters, and today I get to sit down with a friend of mine, Brian Dombozik. Brian started uh, on the Lifeway Kids team um, a few years ago. How long have you been at Lifeway now? Uh, it'll, it is, it's going on four years now, so... Yeah, I'm just about four years, yeah. so we came almost yeah, the I was same right time. after you. I might have beat you by a week or two. You did, which is the only reason why you had that corner office back then. <laughs> The only reason. We, we started the same team, and so we had a great chance to get to know one another when we were both new yeah. at Lifeway. And Brian, at that time, was the team leader for the Gospel Project for Kids resource, and uh, now he has moved along. Brian, your current role, you're managing editor over that, all of the Gospel Project. Is that, that correct? That is correct. And so what does that make mean that you do every day? It means I read a lot and edit a lot. Um, so, yeah, basically... Because all the teams, as you know, the age group teams continue running forward with developing the actual content. So my job is to read over everything, make sure that we're on brand, make sure that we're uh, faithful to the gospel, and also do a lot of behind-the-scenes things, um, prepping, scoping sequences, and uh, do a lot of training as well these days. So Brian has a great perspective on the full scope of the Gospel Project. And so that's been a really exciting resource in the kids space, especially. Mm -hmm. uh, we passed this last year a million users of the Gospel Project week in and week out in the kids uh, area, kids in preschool. And so we're going to be talking today about this uh, phenomenon, this resource, uh, yeah. that's the Gospel Project. And so for those of you who are uh, interested in the Gospel Project, or for those of you who are users, the Gospel Project is a, is a Christ-centered, chronological Bible study for, for babies all the way through adults. It's aligned because it's chronological. Kids, students, moms and dads, grandparents can all be studying the same passage at the same time. Uh, and so t on today's podcast, we're with Brian Dombozik, and we're going to talk about the vision behind the Gospel Project and why sharing the Gospel with kids in particular is so important. Yeah. And so, Brian, thank you for being here today. Sure, thanks for having me. So now, before we dive into, you know, content, the serious stuff, we do a little thing on the Kids Podcast here where we like to find out a little bit about little you. Oh, I'm nervous now. So although you are, you know, uh, a together guy, you know, right now you've got it all figured out. You're adulting really well. Well, thank you. I yeah, try. See, I just want to give you I've been doing that for many years. Sometimes we need to hear that from yeah, other people. Yeah. You know, thank you for that you're information. You're adulting well, at least from, <laughs> you know, from uh, from an outsider's point of view. Exactly. You As look my like wife, you know what you're doing. My wife's going to give you a totally different <laughs> spin on that. Tarot, call us up if the exactly. phone rings. Let's put her through. <laughs> uh, so, but we do, you know, we all started as kids. We're all working with kids and kids can be crazy sometimes. Yep. Every now and then, we might have you know a kid in our ministry who who might be a little bit challenging, let's say, and maybe that kid's going to grow up to be the managing editor of the Gospel Project for Kids someday. How do we know? We we don't. We don't. So Which is why we invest what I in them want all. to find out is just a little bit about what you were like when you were a kid. So when you were little, were okay. you a Sunday school kid? Yes. Okay. So what type of a kid were you in Sunday school when you were a little kid? Were you the you know? You knew all the answers, Sunday school answers, or were you a little bit of a rowdy boy? What no, were you like as a kid in Sunday school? I, I think I was more of the former. I think I was the kid, and I was like this in school in general, um, especially elementary. By the time I got to middle school and high school, of course, I, I started getting into that too, too cool for this phase. Uh, but in elementary school, and I think this carried over into Sunday school, I was the kid who would 
delight in showing that I knew the answers. Knowing the answers. Yeah. So, okay. So uh, as a kid then, let's go outside of your Sunday school okay. existence for a moment. What kind of hobbies did you have? What did you like to do when you were a kid? Did you collect anything? What did you play with? I collected baseball cards. I was, oh, nice. I was really into sports, into baseball. Now, I never played really well. In the Sandlot, I could do all right. But when I tried out for teams, I, I did was you play in an actual Sandlot? Uh, sometimes it felt. I mean, like I know it. the movie. No, but. no, it wasn't an actual Sandlot, but it was. I, I spent several years in Germany. And really? Yeah, we would go out there. A handful of us would would go out there and always check the field to see when the snow melted off of it. Uh, and there, of baseball. course, it snows a lot longer and later. And so, I mean, we're dying to get out there and play ball again. And and so we would wait until the snow was gone, at least enough that we didn't lose the ball in snow mounds or whatever but yeah so, we but, would go out there as much as we could and, and play ball so you collected baseball cards collected baseball cards so did you keep them in a shoe box and a binder shoe boxes multiples yes and i still have uh, most of them somewhere i think up in in my attic that could be your retirement right there well i think i missed that window because the the market collapsed I guess it was in, it? Was in there, the was 80s there or 90s. Baseball oh, card market collapse. Yeah, that happened. yeah, there was the big collapse. <laughs> there was um, that bubble that burst. That, that bubble about, burst. Like, it was a bubble that burst. <laughs> it was because people started well, making way too many cards listen, and there was too many. I know it wasn't a bubble gum bubble because the gum no, that came it, with baseball cards was like cardboard. Oh, no, it wasn't you cardboard. You could not Remember, chew you that gum. Put, it no, broke it your dissolved teeth. because it was so dry. You'd put it and it would just kind of disintegrate into this powdery. Yeah, that weird powder. Yeah, because it was just all stale and old and yeah. So, but you still have your cards, and you're just going to hang on to them for posterity? Yeah, just hoping that one of them is my kid's college fund. Yeah, and do any of your kids have an interest in your old baseball cards? No, not at all. Yeah. My, my dad dug out a bunch of old cards, some of which were mine from the attic, that he brought to my boys, who are now 9 and 12, almost 10. And uh, they're, they're, they're more interested like in the new football cards yeah. instead of my old baseball cards. They don't care who these people are. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, but baseball card boy. Good to know. I, yeah, I was a baseball card boy. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind at Christmas time. There you go. Follow so, along. okay, but we're, we're here to talk today about the Gospel Project. And so let's start off with uh, talking a bit about the vision behind it. Can you tell yeah. us a bit about what's this big notion uh, that the Gospel Project was founded on? Yeah, I think the best way to understand the vision of this resource is to drill down real briefly on our three core values. Uh, and those three values are story, culture, and mission. And those words, when I kind of even use them now, it's almost like my eyes start to glaze over. I'm like, okay, those are very abstract. But let me just take a minute and, and I think try to redeem these words mm. for, for our listeners because I think they really do a great job of casting the vision for this resource. So story is the first one. This is the easiest for us to get our arms around. We want kids to understand that the Bible is one story, mm. one story pointing to Jesus Christ. Now, let me pause right there and say this. A lot of times we get pushback on using this phrase story because some people interpret that as a work of fiction. Right. But it does not necessarily mean that. I actually, I looked this up the other day because somebody once again pushed back on this. And so I went to Webster's. And the first definition of story is something along the lines of the facts of an event. Yes. It was, I think, the third definition before fiction was introduced. Mm. Well, I think about when you interact with a person, you say, hey, tell me your story. Yeah, what's your you story? Know, that's, that's the illustration I often use. You're not saying, hey, make up a, 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 a fictional account right now on the top of it. No, it's tell me the true story about who you are. So when we say story, we mean true story. Now, I would also coach leaders to make sure that's clear. Weave that in. Not every single time you use story with your kids, but weave that in 
from time to time, hey, we're talking about a true story. Yes. And I like to, um, you know, so, again, working in kids ministry, one of those little things that I always become aware of is when we talk about Bible characters uh-huh. as opposed to Same Bible thing. people, right? Yes. So talking that these are real people and this was exactly. a real story. Or sometimes this is a story that Jesus told that wasn't about real people, but he told this story. He made this exactly. up to make a point. Yeah, and I think we just parse that carefully. Yeah. And, and that's part of the learning process as we're teaching our kids how to understand Scripture. Yes. But going back to this, this first value, so we want our kids to understand that every text they read points to Jesus ultimately. From cover to cover, it's one story. And that's the best way we understand this gospel because— a lot of times we think of the gospel just in terms of four or five propositional truths that we have to understand and trust in to be saved. And right. then we're, we're talking kind of about done sharing the gospel as yeah. a moment of conversion. Exactly. Yeah. Now, now we need to we need to do that. We need to be able to boil the gospel down into a way we can articulate it very quickly. I mean, it's the elevator story. You yes. know, if you only have a few minutes on an airplane with somebody, you want to be able to to share the the crux of the gospel with that person. However, if we think that is the fullness of the gospel, that's where we make our mistake. Right. There's a lot more to it. Exactly. And so we would have kids understand that when they pick up the Bible, wherever they read, they're reading part of this grand meta narrative of Scripture that points them to Jesus. And when, when we see it that way, when we understand it that way, when we study Scripture that way, I believe that's when it becomes even more beautiful. That's when it comes off the pages and really resonates deeply in the minds and hearts of our kids. So that's the first value. We, we, we strive to position the Bible as this story. That's why we do the chronology, because well, and, that's the best way to understand the story. And that's an important distinction, though. That, that first value, if we can pause just a little sure. longer on that before we move on, is you teach little individual stories that stand alone, whether it's David and yeah. Goliath's story or Jonah and the Big Fish story or stories about Jesus. And you know, a lot of us adults have not really been trained up in a way to look at the entire yeah. God Bible cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, eternity past, eternity future, as one big story of what God is doing in history. Yeah, you, you asked before. I, yeah, I, w- I grew up in Sunday school, and that's how we learned it as, as isolated stories. Yeah. And it's, it stunted my spiritual development. And, and my teachers meant well, of course. They loved me. They loved God. They loved yeah. Christ. They loved God's Word. But because they taught it in that way, I didn't understand this this bigger concept of gospel centrality. You know, it, it reminds me, and this is one of my, my favorite texts to point people to as I'm trying to help them see why this matters so much. In John 5, in John 5, he is interacting with Jewish leaders. He, he had just healed the man by the, the, the pool of Bethesda who could not get up. And, and so he told him, pick up your mat and go. And, of course, it was the Sabbath, and he got grief. The man got grief for, for working, quote-unquote, on the Sabbath. And so the rest of John 5 after that, that's the very beginning of the chapter, it, it unpacks Jesus interacting with those Jewish leaders and confronting them. And in John 5, 39 and 40, he basically, this is my paraphrase, he says, hey, you guys search the Scripture because you think you have life in them, but you've missed it because the Scriptures all testified about me, and you don't have life because you don't want to believe in me. And we have to see that very carefully. And this is one where it should really send a, 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 a tingle down our back because we should recognize the seriousness of this. It's possible to know Scripture inside and out like they did, but miss salvation. Jesus said, you're, you don't have life. You're lost in your sin. You're dead in your sin, even though you know Scripture inside and out because you failed to connect it to me. That is the danger that we have mm-hmm. as kids leaders, that we have as parents, that we can make our kids Bible scholars yes. 
who are not saved. And so we have to present Scripture as Jesus says it is, Luke 24, the Emmaus Road account. Yes. It's all part of a story pointing to him. That is what prophets, gives life. Every story. Scripture doesn't give life. The God of the Scripture gives life. Yes. And so that's what we really have to drill down on the story concept about. Hmm. Okay, story. Sorry, so the second one then is culture, and this, these feed into each other. So we would say that when we truly understand story that we just talked about, Chuck, that it changes us. The first change, of course, the most fundamental is salvation, that we trust in Christ and we are changed in that moment. Our sin is removed from us. It's taken and placed on Christ, and he gives us his righteousness in its place. But we would also say that that transformation is ongoing. It's not just a point action it is in terms of salvation positionally before God, but as he is growing us and shaping us and molding us to live more in the image of Christ, this process of sanctification. So we, we call that culture, that it, it changes us individually, but it also changes us as a people. Uh, the Bible is very clear. It's not just a love letter God wrote to you individually, Chuck. It is, but it's not just that. It's also how God pulls a people together. He forms yeah. a people, and we are to live together and be on mission together. So we, we really like to lift up this idea of culture, that it, the gospel is changing us, it's shaping us, not only what we know, know, but what we value and what we do, how we live. So we're living differently. And of course, we know in the kids space, we will often take this and, and really kind of summarize this by saying we're after gospel transformation, not behavior modification. Yes that we can change a kid's behavior, but that's not the win. The win is the gospel changing their hearts, which in turn changes their and behavior. And then the behavior will follow. Exactly. And that, that's a core distinctive of this, yes. of the gospel project, is really about going for the heart, because it truly is about heart transformation. Yes. And when the Lord changes the child from within, the behavior does follow. Yes, but, but we can lead with behavior. And many of us in, in uh, of our generation grew up in the church where we were taught do's and don'ts. Yep. And that has... has uh, left a lot of people not walking closely with the Lord as yeah, a result. And, and a lot of people have left. Yeah. A lot of people, uh, they were not sincerely saved in the first place. Uh, they just fit in with uh, the, the behaviors that were expected, and they said what was expected. They did those things. And then when they got to the point where they could choose whether to follow this Jesus or not, they chose not to. And that's where, you know, the, the out, from an outward appearance, it may look like they're doing well. I mean, I told you at the beginning yeah. of the podcast, you look like you're adulting well. Right, yeah. From the outside, right? Exactly. <laughs> Which I from think you are. I think you genuinely are. But we can look at children's behavior and mistake good behavior for heart transformation, yeah. for gospel transformation. And we need to be really cautious yeah. about that as kids and, and again, we see, we see the danger of this in the gospels because we see the Pharisees that yes. from the outside appearances, they looked like they had it all together. They cleaned the outside of the cup. A exactly. That's what Jesus inside, said. Right? You guys, yeah. but you guys are, are empty tombs or you guys are tombs because you're clean on the outside. You're white and clean and pretty, but full of but dead men's death. bones. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we so, need to be careful of that. So that that notion of culture, which the word culture summarizes this, right? But the idea that we are about heart transformation, the gospel project is about heart transformation through lives changed by exactly. Christ, yeah. not about changing that outward yeah. behavior. Okay. And, and that just takes us to the third uh, of our, our values, and that is mission, that, that we would say, and we've, we've kind of hit on this already, but we would say just to clarify that it's not just about us. Our salvation is not about us and that ends there. We are not the end of our salvation. We are a conduit. Our salvation matters. Yes, it matters. But we are here because we are called to join mission on mission with Christ. 
as he is reaching out to bring others into salvation through trusting in him. So this is important that we understand that every believer is to live on mission wherever he or she is. So for our kids' context, for example, that means that we want them to understand that they are missionaries in their schools, on their baseball teams. As I was talking about, I played baseball with yeah. my friends all the time. You know, I, I was a missionary. I didn't know it then, uh, but I was a missionary that God had placed me there to build relationships with my teammates and coaches and so forth. Um, and so wherever we are on the playground, in the homes, in the neighborhoods or whatever, that we want our kids to understand that they are on mission for Christ and they have this core role to play in bringing God glory through how they're living and sharing Christ with others. And that's not a future tense, right? No. That's another important thing to note is we're not saying, hey, kids, you can be a missionary someday. Kids are, are believers, are following the Lord right now. They're, they are uh, influencers for the yes. gospel right where they are today. Present tense, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I've, I've, I've shared this in many different contexts, but we know statistically the, the, a person has the higher probability of coming to saving faith in Christ as a child. Uh, by the time you get out of high school, the numbers just plummet. doesn't mean it's impossible, of course, but just statistically, most people trust in Christ as, as, as a child. And so who better to reach this target demographic than people who spend the most time with them, people who know them the best, yeah. a believing kid? So I, I would argue that our believing kids and churches are the greatest missionary force at our disposal, but tragically, we underutilize them or ignore them for the most part. Yeah. So story, culture, and mission yep. at the foundation of the Gospel Project. Now, we uh, at Lifeway Kids have, have identified multiple different frameworks from which curriculum resources are written. So some of our listeners may be familiar with the levels of biblical learning yep. and uh, a commitment that we have had to age-appropriate teaching of, of the Scripture. Um, Bible skills is another approach that can be used. And we have a new resource that accompanies um, the Gospel Project called Big Picture Questions and Answers. Yeah. Before we move on to the next question that I, I had given you in advance, tell me just a little bit about the big picture question and answer approach and how yeah. that helps us as we create okay. this resource. Yeah, so what we would say backing up to story, we would say that, that all of Scripture is this one big story pointing to Jesus. And as we are studying Scripture then and learning this story and understanding it more, we have to understand that theology comes into play here that theology, we're all theologians, theology is simply an understanding about God. Mm. Everybody is a theologian. We all have some understanding about God. Even an atheist is a theologian. He or she just believes there is no God. It's a wrong belief. So everybody has a belief about God, including our kids. Our quest then is to have a good theology, a right theology, a gospel-centered theology. And so as we study scripture, our kids are learning theology. And so the way that we come alongside them and help them to learn these theological truths, these foundational theological concepts, is through the big picture question and answers. And so it, if you think about it, kids are naturally inquisitive. Uh, my three kids wore me out asking questions as they were younger growing up in that three, four, five-year-old phase as well. They still do all at times. All those why questions. Uh, yeah, all those why. Well, that's how they're wired. Yeah. And so what we've done is we've we've produce these questions and answers that naturally resonate with how they're wired and gives them bite-sized morsels to understand, to help them understand, digest, and even memorize 
these theological truths. So this big picture question and answer resource was just a way to compile what the team believed was some of the most essential. And they also had help from others, some experts in the field, pastors, um, educators, uh, that we had come in, kids leaders, of course, come in and help help us craft this this compilation of what we would say are some of the most essential, not all of them, of course, but some of the most essential theolog- theological ideas for kids to rub shoulders with. Yeah, it's a great resource, and that is available. So uh, listeners, as you're looking for information, I would direct you to the gospelproject.com. And when you go there, that's a great place to just enter in to the resources and, and some of the why about, uh, which is kind of what we're discussing, the why behind the scenes of the Gospel Project. But you'll find a link there to the kids section. And from that, you can find ways to connect to all these different resources, including the big picture question and answer resource. Now, to clarify, big picture questions and answers document, Brian, comes in the form of a booklet and a poster, but it is not a curriculum that you teach. No. It is really background information yes. that you can use with children or even just yeah. with your other leaders to know how to answer kids' questions. Exactly. And, it, and it's baked in. A lot of those questions are baked in. You would encounter the exact same questions in the curriculum itself. But yeah, this this is not a separate curriculum or, or anything like that, it, as you described it. And it has, I believe, 77 questions and answers in seven theological categories, as well as some other great helps uh, to help yeah. you uh, teach the Gospel Project. So, okay, now, as you know, we have listeners who have taught kids for a lot of years in their churches, and uh, some of them, especially those who work with preschool, have some questions about, you know, um, some of the, uh, we use the word stories, but some of the passages Mm -hmm. that the Gospel Project covers are some difficult concepts for younger kids. And so tell us a little bit about that. Can you share with our listeners why it's important to teach some of these stories and why we don't shy away from that in the Gospel Project? You know, I would have to draw our attention to the uh, the account in Scripture in Luke 5 where the, the woman wiped the feet of Jesus with her hair. And if you remember that account, uh, the, the Jewish leaders who were there gave her grief for doing this because she was not the right kind of person that they deemed uh, should be spending time with Jesus and so forth. And if you remember, Jesus interacted with them and explained it basically this way. Again, just kind of my paraphrase summary. Look, she is a sinner, but she's been forgiven and she understands that. And because she understands how sinful she has been, she understands the depth and beauty of her forgiveness. And that's why she's doing this. Oh, by the way, you think you're so good. You don't think you need forgiveness. That's why you're not getting it. Well, take that idea that Jesus explained there and carry it over to our kids, to carry it over to ourselves. The, the, the more we rub shoulders with, understand, and appreciate even our sinfulness apart from Christ, the more beautiful forgiveness in Christ becomes. If I don't think Jesus did much to save me, my salvation isn't that significant. But the more I press in, in humility and understand how wretched I am, how undeserving I am, the beauty of the gospel just shines forth brightly. That's what we want our kids to rub shoulders with. We want our kids from the very beginning to understand that they are sinners in need of salvation. Now, we'll do this in age-appropriate ways, of course. this whole conversation does not dismiss or discount our need to be age-appropriate in how we're telling these stories, in 
the vocabulary we use and so forth. But this bigger idea is we want our kids, even preschoolers, to rub shoulders with what sin is and their need of salvation. And so we will bring these stories to bear that God has put in there, of course, um, that help us show this and help this become clear with our kids. If you think about it, this is even so much more important today than perhaps ever mm-hmm. because our culture is not helping our kids understand sin. Our culture is going the opposite direction. It's a culture of permissiveness. It's yes. a culture of turning, you know, what's right is becoming what's wrong. What's wrong is becoming what is right. And that's what our kids are learning in, in our public spaces. And so we've got to, for their good, for the glory of God, we've got to step into this and in love, and again, with age appropriateness, be very clear about what sin is and salvation available through Christ. Now, I would also say this, that I think a lot of these stories, when we're, when we're dealing with them, um, it may seem like we're teaching ahead of where those kids are. We're dealing with some issues like evil, for example. Mm. Um, that's one where we will usually have at least one session showing how Jesus has the power over evil. And that's usually the session where we get the most emails or letters about or phone calls. You want me to talk with preschoolers about evil? You want me to talk with my grade schoolers about evil? And the answer is yes, and, and here's why. Because those kids know evil. They understand it. They mm-hmm. see it. Some of them experience it. And we want them to know proactively that there is a, an answer for that evil that they experience. That answer is Christ. We don't want them experiencing evil apart from knowing the gospel and then worrying, wait a minute, what do I do with this? And becoming enslaved to fear over sin, evil, death, you name it. We want them proactively going in, and the first time they rub shoulders with evil, the first time they rub shoulders with death, the death of a grandparent or whatever the case may be, the death of a pet, that they know already oh, I don't have to fear this because Jesus has gone before me and he has beat sin and death for me. That is a gift that I, I would say as a father, as a, as a kid's leader, that's a gift that I want to give to my kids, not lagging behind, ready to catch up to them and say, oh, you've been rubbing your with evil. Here, let me give you the answer now. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the big idea, Chuck, that, that we, we – interact with these again the team i think does an amazing job of being age appropriate in the vocabulary they use again and we scale that you know the story that you do for preschoolers is going to be different how you're going to present it than that same account that you're going to talk about with older kids for example Mm -hmm. so they do a great job of being age appropriate but that's that's kind of the heart behind it that's kind of the why well i think would even even with the you know as we talk about the grand narrative approach to the bible the view of the bible that as you look at that grand narrative, you know, there's creation, the fall, yep. and then there's redemption and restoration. And so without the fall, it's hard to tell the rest of that story well, you, of you why Jesus came. Yeah, you cannot. And, and you know, it, it's also telling when you think about the, the sweeping story of the Old Testament, how much the Old Testament is positive and how much is negative. Hmm. It's largely negative. It's largely sin, rebellion, death, destruction. Um, and it's that because all of that precedes the answer in Christ. And it's designed to increase our tension that we feel. As we're reading through the Old Testament, we, we like the Israelites in that day, should be crying out, when, oh, when will the answer come? That's the tension God wants us to have when we, we consider the depth and pervasiveness and ugliness of sin that it has wrought 
But at the same time, as we know, also running through that thread line of the Old Testament is that hope, that grace that's coming, mm-hmm. that, that anticipation that there is a way. You can't, you can't save yourselves, but I will. It's coming. Well, the Gospel Project is uh, delivered in uh, a three-year scope and sequence. goes all the way through the entire chronology of Scripture in three years. And uh, so a lot of churches uh, that have jumped into the Gospel Project have said, yes, we want to go through this. We're going to go all the way through the Bible. And now we're, we're beginning right now to approach the end of the second cycle of the Gospel Project. This is the sixth year now that we've had the resource. And in the fall, we begin cycle three back in Genesis. And so as churches are coming up on the end, and now I have my own answer to this question, so I'm gonna let you answer from your point of view, uh, since you're the guest, I'm not the guest. I suspect they overlap as well. (laughs) They're really, really similar. But as we come up to the end of the Gospel Project, there's, I believe, what's a little bit of a fallacy in how people think to say, hey, we're almost done with the Gospel Project. What should we do next? And What's your answer to that? And and I think that is really born out of of a misunderstanding of what a curriculum is. A curriculum is not something you choose to fill an hour time slot on Sunday. It's a discipleship resource. It's, it's, it's one part of a comprehensive discipleship strategy that you should have for discipling your kids, leading kids into salvation and discipling them once they trust in Christ. This, along with other um, resources and other strategies, of course, uh, parents' involvement and so forth. So the, the Gospel Project or any Bible study curriculum should be understood through that lens. And this is a resource helping us achieve this bigger victory, not just filling an hour, but seeing our kids being discipled as followers of Christ. Um, so when you, ki- when you think about it that way, two things then jump off the page to me. Hmm. The first is, well, especially in kids' ministry, where you have, you're dealing with kids at different developmental stages. We just talked about preschool, yeah. right? So you're, you're a preschooler reading or, 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 under, or learning about the creation account, for example. So you're, let's say you're a four-year-old. And then three years later, when we go back to Genesis, and you're now a seven-year-old. A seven-year-old can understand a lot more and needs to understand a lot more about creation than a, than a four-year-old. Yes. And then go back again, a 10-year-old. And so if you think about the longevity of that kid, don't think about your teachers. Don't think about your, your you know, again, our time slot. Don't fall into this trap of thinking that different is better. Think about what is needed. What, do those, what does that kid need? I would say that, man, we cannot give them too much of the gospel story. Again and again, they keep drilling down more deeply, let it get into them more deeply, beautifully. The second thing that just kind of pops off to me in light of that is this. As I explained our three core values, the first one is story, it's understanding. Well, first time you go through the Bible through this lens, this gospel-centered one meta-narrative lens, it's probably those moments of epiphany of, of understanding story. But it doesn't stop there. We're also after transformation. We want that story to change a kid. Yes. And that takes time. And so probably the second time, maybe the third time through, it started, you're starting to see more of this move from understanding to a, a change of a heart position. But we don't want to stop there. We want them to live on mission. And so probably it's going to take another time or two going through before they actually start living it out. So here's what I, and this is all age groups, Chuck. I, I'll talk with adult leaders and have the same conversation. Say, all right, sure. if you've used the Gospel Project one time through and you're seeing all your group members living on mission. Why then, stop? Yeah. yeah. I, I, but if, you, if you're not seeing that, don't stop. Right. 
So, so either way, I think you get to the same, same basic idea of to go back and do this gospel story again is advantageous. It's helpful for those kids mm. and for those leaders and for the parents and on and on. And ultimately, our, I think there's a little bit, you mentioned not talking about it as a way to fill an hour. You know, we, we need to think, and as I interact with our church leaders, I encourage them, the goal is not uh, to have a nice program. The goal is, although that's a great thing to have. Yeah. The goal is not just to have a good time, although we want to have fun. The goal is not to have well-behaved kids, although that's good. The goal is to train up children to be spiritually mature adults yep. who then themselves in turn train up others yeah. to be spiritually mature adults walking with the Lord. And so when we look at it that way, we really have to begin with the end in mind yep. and invest in a way that is for the long haul, not just a short-term Band-Aid approach or you know, something we'll try, but something we need to commit yeah. to to really make sure everyone understands, yeah. the kids understand that one story of Jesus. Yeah, I think that's where, you know, as ministry leaders, you have to you have to anchor what you're doing to that vision, that strategic vision. And that's what you have to keep casting to your leaders, casting to your parents and so forth. And that's not just this. I mean, you can amplify anything you, you are doing in ministry ought to be connected to the gospel. So why do you do VBS, for example? It's because that's a chance for us to share the gospel in, and see these kids' lives change and enter into this discipleship process, man. If you're not if you're not sharing the gospel at VBS, then you're not achieving that purpose. That's so right. it's yeah. this it's a strategic thinking of what's the real win in everything we do, and and leading strongly with that vision. And what's the real purpose underneath it all? Exactly. Right? Because if we are teaching nice stories and developing kind children who are well behaved, we could still be missing the point. Yeah, I mean, you can do all those things in a secular environment. And so if if, if our win it can be shared by a secular organization, then we're missing the gospel. We're, we're failing. I'm just going to put it out there as bluntly as I can. Um, we ought to be distinct. There ought to be a difference. Um, and, and this is what Christ talked about a lot. He said, hey, you know, I, this gospel, him, is divisive. It separates families. It, it, it separates, uh, not because that's his heart desire. His heart desire is to bring people together, but the truth of the gospel is hostile to our culture. It's hostile to an unregenerate mind, an unregenerate heart. And so we've got to stand out, and, uh, and, and, and that's important. If, if what we teach can be taught in a public school without retribution, woe is us. Yeah. Yep. So listeners— I would encourage you to check out some free free samples of the Gospel Project for kids. Go to gospelproject.com. Uh, there you will find information about kids, student, and adult versions of the Gospel Project. Talk with your other leaders in your church about the, the overall mission and vision that you want to accomplish together. And um, maybe this is something that's more than just a kid's uh, play for you. Maybe this is something that is a church-wide decision where you can all work together as you study uh, the Gospel Project on the same uh, same cycle. Well, uh, Brian, thank you for your time. We're out of time Thanks, right now. I'd love to have you back again soon to talk some more about what gospel-centered ministry looks like. Sure thing. So I'd like we'll that. compare calendars and see what we can work out. Uh, for now, listeners, again, I'd encourage you to visit gospelproject.com. Look for the free preview button. Click on that. Download some free sample sessions of the Gospel Project for Kids and Preschool and check those out. And we would love to have you join us this fall 
as you uh, or as we enter into the third cycle of the Gospel Project, starting in Genesis, with this awesome, exciting chronological study. And uh, we're just hearing great things from churches who are using the Gospel Project, and we'd love for you to be one of them. Before we go, let me invite you to come and join me and Brian Dombozik at the Etch Conference this year coming up this October, and it's getting closer. October uh, here in Nashville, we will have the Etch Family Ministry Conference uh, once again that we host. Brian, you'll be there, right? I will. You'll be leading a breakout session or two talking about gospel-centered ministry. And listeners, I would invite you to come and meet Brian face-to-face, shake his hand, buy him a cup of coffee. He likes coffee. Uh, But we'd love to have you at the Etch Conference. You can find information on that at etchconference.com. And I'd encourage you to register early because those rates go up as we get closer and closer to the date. Etchconference.com. Thank you again for listening. And we'll see you back here next time in the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.